Yes, I'm rolling. Sorry, I was making sure I was rolling on my backup mic. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to episode... 54 of TGE, the podcast. Today, we're going to be looking at Mindhunter. It's the second time we are talking about this incredible show. With me today is Tyler. Tyler, how are you? Good, Sven. How are you doing? We appreciate everyone listening to the show. We appreciate people spreading the word about the show. We appreciate word getting out so we get cool guests like we had last week with David Wayne on the show. Mm. And we look forward to talking about that a little bit more. And subscribe to the podcast through iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, whatever you want. Cool. Yeah, so David Wayne, great, great episode. If you haven't listened to it, you should. I think it's really special to have a director come on and talk about editing and be able to look at some earlier cuts of Wet Hot American Summer and see how how it progressed, what the changes were. Pretty, pretty incredible. And I also have to say, we were when we did the scene analysis earlier, we kind of failed we were like i would say 50 percent of the predictions we made about the shooting and the editing of the film i think we kind of got it wrong but it still still makes a lot of sense to look at scenes and start thinking about the storytelling what do you think that there's an important moral there that kind of sums up what the aim of the podcast is which i'll talk about in a second but the other thing i wanted to say is how much he fits the theme of your channel in a way of just edit, we talked about this a little bit, but talking to him and going through his career, it's really amazing because he was just so experimental and still to this day so adventurous and so at the forefront of trying different stuff and doing things. And essentially the stuff they were doing with the state and what they went on to do with Stella and what he did with his 20 days, it was really almost inventing the concept of a web series and what could be done and really trying that stuff and just experimenting with things. And then the cool thing is you get to see because of that, those experiments, those those low-stakes filmmaking things that he did and does, he had so many tools in his toolbox when he got offered these huge Hollywood movies that he got to direct. So that's very right. cool. Yeah, it's amazing. If you do a lot of work, if you do it, as you were saying, at a low budget and you have a lot of proof of concept, you're learning the craft and then you have an end product that people react to and that leads to a bigger, better opportunity. I think that's really the key to being successful in this business. And most people that we think are successful, they kind of have a similar path of just doing a lot of stuff and just keep keep at it. And so, yeah, that was cool. Yeah. And I think the people that you admire and respect have probably failed and done crappy things more than you'll ever see them or more than you'll you'll even seek out. Yeah. But with him, a lot of that stuff kind of hit also. It wasn't just doing it to do it. Like, it, you know, they created like an amazing community and sort of legendary reputation and certain cult fandom. And it's really cool. And the other thing that I wanted to say about you, uh, Sven being wrong about 50% of the stuff that he said yeah. was <laughs> just kidding I was right about the, the, the treadmill that's all that's all I know but <laughs> there's no treadmill but, but no I think that's kind of how the podcast works I mean a lot of times we have information about how things were done and executed but for the most part we're not going to have that information and that's kind of what people like David Wayne appreciate when they hear the podcast because that's why they make stuff and that's why art is made 
for how it will be interpreted. And that's what we're doing is on this podcast is interpreting how things work and the effect that they have. And then it's really cool. And we've had the opportunities with Roger Nygaard and David Wayne to come in and say, oh, that's so cool. That's, that was the takeaway. That's what we were going for in terms of the takeaway. But in terms of how it was executed, we actually did this. And then David Wayne didn't even remember that Joe Trulio actually operated a motorcycle at the beginning of that um, <laughs> That's right. That scene, so yeah, yeah, it was a lot cool. of fun. Yeah, no, absolutely, and it didn't like it didn't face him that we were making assumptions that were off. I think he was kind of tickled by the fact that we we're looking at the scene and that we made certain calls on it, where he's like, "No, that's not how it happened," and that sort of motivated him also to reach out to us. So, hopefully, this will happen over and over again on this podcast that filmmakers will be able to talk about it on on here and uh, maybe today with Mindhunter we'll get that opportunity as well I'm sort of like hoping that at some point maybe Tyler Nelson might be interested in coming on and talk a little bit about the editing of that and also Kirk Baxter okay. and we're already pretty sure that I'm at least going to be very wrong about a couple of uh, assumptions I'm going to make about what we're going to look at today. Okay. But first, let's talk about your experience at Edit Fest, Ben, because I know you went there when we were cutting the Wayne episode. Yeah, second time in a row I got the opportunity to go to Edit Fest. Um, really cool to go there, meet other editors, hear other editors talk about their work. The thing that sort of really was the highlight for me is to listen in on Joe Walker as he talked about the editing of Arrival. And specifically, there was one scene. Hold on a second. My daughter just walks in. Hello. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Something important? Yeah, maybe in a little bit. Okay, cool. All right. She wants to go driving. She's, she has her driver's learner's driver's license. We'll do that after the podcast. Awesome. So Joe Walker talked about Blade Runner 2049, and there's a scene, I don't know if you remember, where they're fighting in this like hologram nightclub where you see like Elvis dancing in the background and all kinds of like um, go-go girls and whatever. And he showed various versions of that scene. And one of the scenes that he first cut was like su as super spectacle. Like it was just lots of music, lots of effects and very overwhelming. And he, he sort of came forward and said, well, the director liked the scene for the spectacle, but it didn't really serve the characters. And he was very close to actually cutting that scene completely out of the movie. And then... Joe Walker mm -hmm. took another stab at it, and the version that is now in the film is way creepier and less noisy. Like, it's less busy, and the, the sound barely ever is, like, the music ever plays. It sort of comes in for just a split moment and then drops out again, and it creates that eeriness that really helped that scene and ultimately saved it in the movie. So it was cool to see that... that um, evolution and be able to see to understand that that scene has a purpose for the character and then if you make something that's really cool and overwhelming it might not actually serve the film at all very cool, cool. maybe one um, day i can make a video about that that'd be cool if i can get my hands on the yeah footage. or we could do it on the podcast next week oh okay cool yeah we can do that too that'd be cool joe walker is the editor of blade runner 2049 and what else arrival 12 years a slave 12 years a slave was it called Hunger? Is that what cool. it's called? That was like an earlier Steve McQueen movie. Awesome. So Sven, we're excited to do this episode of Mindhunter because our YouTube video of Mindhunter has gotten a little action. 
It did has gotten some renewed attention. Yeah, it's uh, it the one that Dennis so nicely put together for us. Yeah, it came back in the algorithm. It ended up having like 400 views an hour at some point, and it pretty much doubled in views within a week. So that's yeah, awesome when that happens. Awesome. So we wanted to do it again because ahead of that, I'd actually watched the second season of Mindhunter. And this is going to be a spoiler-free podcast. Do not worry. And to explain how spoiler-free it's going to be, we're only doing the recap of the first season that I feel like was put together specifically for this series to play with the first episode by the filmmaking team. And a lot of times the filmmaking team isn't involved in the recaps, which is interesting, which we'll talk about a little bit as we go forward. But I just thought it was a really interesting way to encapsulate the entire first season and had a lot more aesthetic and stuff than there's usually going to be opportunity for in stuff like this, where we're recapping a previous episode. It's usually just an information bomb and some sound, some, some, some anxiety sounds. Yeah. I remember when, uh, when we started talking about Mindhunter, you were like really excited about this recap. Is there something like upfront why why this one stuck with you as opposed to um, any other recap that we could have analyzed before? Is there something special to watch for? Um, we'll see. I I kind of want to get your take on it. Okay. And I don't else. know that I was that excited about it. I was just curious if you'd seen it and. I don't think that there's any Blade Runner hologram scene where there's anything that stands out as, oh, holy crap, amazing. But I do just think it was a really effective job of condensing the story. And again, the thing about us being wrong about the production of stuff, I also theorize that there are shots that are used in this that did not were not used in the first season of Mindhunter that are shots for different moments. And I, in one case, I think it's a thing that didn't even a shot that a thing that never we never even saw happen. Oh, okay. Very cool. We'll have to find out. And I know a lot of people are diving into the first season right now. So maybe if you hear this and then watch the first season, you can check out and let us know. I don't know. Memorize this this recap and then let us know if if we're right or wrong. Yeah. Well, it's good to do recaps, obviously, because it's been two years since uh, season one was on Netflix. And especially for Netflix, it's it's kind of tricky because you do have... Um, all the episodes come on right away and then you have to wait it just it feels like an even longer time for the next season to come on so usually like i just went through this with glow i have no idea what happened before because it just it just doesn't stick with me anymore it's, there's so many good shows you're kind of just binging them they don't really stick with you over months it's, it's just like within a few days or weeks that you really get into it but then you sort of move on. So having a recap that really um, tells a season well that you're prepared for the next one is really, really important. Yeah, and to me it's amazing how Mindhunter is very effective, I think, at living on in, in those that have seen it and kind of carrying that cultural interaction. I think it does it very successfully for a binge show where all the episodes are dumped, where it doesn't usually remain in the conversation because it's just like, cool, I saw it, I didn't few shows obviously are exceptions to this but this one i can't believe we did the episode last fall on it and yep. it's been two years since it was on that's amazing that means it was over a year you know since it had aired that we did our episode and it just felt so relevant and so fresh and now hearing people talk about it i mean it's just interesting the interactions i've had people are really 
up on and remembering fully a lot of stuff that happened in the first season. And just to reiterate, we're not going to be spoiling stuff that happens in the second season. But if you have not seen the first season, you should because it's a good show and it's more about the analysis of these crimes than seeing crimes. So if you're a little bit squeamish, there is stuff to be squeamish, but not in the sense of seeing the actual acts of violence only the aftermath, check it out. And maybe, you know, I don't think we're going to ruin too much in this. We might. I don't know. I can't, I can't promise anything. But if you haven't fir- seen the first season, you may want to be careful going forward. Right. And what we usually do in this podcast is we look at a specific scene and we'll include a link of a scene that's available publicly. In this particular case, I could not find the recap on YouTube. So we're just going to watch it straight off Netflix so you might just have to have a subscription yourself to be able to see it with us. Okay, so that's what we'll do. We'll play the scene. We'll walk through it with you. We'll describe it. So if you can't watch it right now because you're in a car, this will be kind of like an audiobook. And we'll try to make it. It's a little difficult with like teasers and recaps because there's so much happening. But Tyler usually does mm-hmm. a really good job with it. I sort of not. <laughs> so I'll hold back. And um, then Uh-oh. we go back, and then we analyze some stuff. And I, I took some notes, so I'm prepared this time. So we're ready to go. Uh, oh, you, good. You ready? Okay, awesome. I should have known the caveat was this one's on me. Let me actually play this for a second, because I want to make sure... Okay, I'm ready when you are. Okay, here we go. We're going to press the button in three, two, one, click. Okay, we're seeing some old-style right. tape deck. Go ahead, Tyler. Please state your names. An, an aesthetic of an important aspect of the... Show just kind of setting up that they're going into these We're in the behavioral side facilities and shots of the crimes and study to interview criminals convicted of violent crimes just quick glimpses kind of of the information coming out of these killers domestic law enforcement all right main title ooh now we learn it's the proof sound see that's much more aesthetically built than any recap between strangers. We should be using a little tease of how Manson came up. Smartest people we find from the broadest possible spectrum. Our criminals born. Okay, our main character is being introduced. He's got the idea. We're learning. There's his partner. The collegiate angle. Various police departments. Cool door slamming thing. Cops out there who want to know what we know. You guys mind if I bother you for a minute? She was found. And now we're in the fun and games of it. Well, this is an important aspect of the show, how they decide to develop a technique rather than solve a specific crime. They're tying that initial picture directly to BTK. They're shut up at Kemper being set up. It's not easy butchering people's hard work. Physically and mentally, I don't think people realize. He truly is the ultimate nemesis of season one, right? job to commiserate with these people. It is our job to electrocute them. Well, these men are just sitting here, locked up, and, and we're... There's a rock crime. We're introducing the third... ...value of their insights. So you're saying... ...psychiatrist, Wendy Carr. These killers is crazy. Nice. It's the opposite. <laughs> what happens to these men is normal, but the way that they process it is not. <laughs> Hello, ladies. She found this under More killers. Uh, the B story. Family trouble. So do you. I can't have a conversation with yes. him. I can't get a hug out of him. He is not beyond hope. Well, maybe I am. Oh, we do see the kid in the first season. Okay. Your research has been awarded two hundred. Back on the journey, the boss. It's all about process now. Becomes a little bit of an obstacle. Airtight and idiot-proof. <laughs> They're also having little breakthroughs. Star was always there. What gave you the right? Hold on, entering the mind of the killers. Right, cunts out of the world. I'm trying to warn you. Your attitude Somehow is holding one over the lines. Maybe best kept off the permanent record. Holding the rebel. What the hell were you thinking? 
I had to follow my intuition. You're what? And then all the trouble that got brewed up because of it. There would be no study, no funding. So you're just gonna say and do whatever you want. You can't like everything That's we do. That's totally a reappropriation of what happened. Serial killers. Oh, I didn't terminology. Know. There's nothing wrong. If what we're doing doesn't get under your skin, you're either more screwed up than I thought, or you're kidding yourself. Ooh, that's the, the premise tape. of the show. How the hell did they get that? I have no idea. Nice. What'd you tell him, Bill? I told him the truth. You came. Dun, you dun, made it hard not to. Okay, storming the high castle right here. In the context of our work. Is Ed Kemper <laughs> in a hospital bed? And yet our work is unfinished. The only way I could have those girls was to kill them. And it worked. Uh, I could kill you now pretty easily. Then you'd be with me in spirit. Facing the dark of the night. Your attitude is going to bite you in the ass. You're developing a pattern of behavior that will not sustain you here. With the closest gems, you seem to think you're my only friends. There we go. He's on the floor panting main character so it's just have you so i just feel like it's really brilliantly put together if you ask me in terms of like having an aesthetic and a flow and and everything that you hope for in a montage it's much more than just a, a recap which is just an information bomb would you would you agree with that characterization yeah i mean i started writing down all the different beats and i i sort of felt like it feels like a little movie in itself the way it sets up well yeah and we go on a journey and you were pointing out how there's yeah, and you were just pointing out how there's like a three-act structure to it also. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's very well thought out. I'd, I'd love to know who cut this, whether it was the actual editor of, the, of or one of the editors of Mindhunter, Kirk Baxter or Tyler Nelson, or if, if this was mm -hmm. done by an assistant editor and then they sort of tweaked it. That sometimes happens in scenarios uh, like thing, this. Yeah, one thing I feel very confident about is that this definitely seems like it has like the uh, uh, Fincher cute quality approval aspect to it. Like oh, it's just yeah, so methodical and, and thorough, and there, it's just so great to me because there's all these like amazing mini montages that are accomplishing these things that are having like the fun of a montage, but not. And they only really cheat a couple of times, and by cheat I mean reappropriate events so obviously the thing at the end is really fun because it's just a bunch of fast cuts as holden's going through the emotional physical experience he had at the very end of the first season that may or may not kick off the second season and that's jumping back to like the first episode and stuff like that so it's kind of all over the place and then this moment where the guy rips his headphones off I'm trying to figure out where that is, but they make it they make it seem as if he is hearing one of the interviews Holden conducted when in, in the actual show he they give him this infamous horrifying recording these guys made of themselves committing these murders that the FBI does have in its vault that John Douglas played. That's what the guy is reacting to. Oh yeah, two twenty four. He's reacting to this these this hor these horrifying murders that and there's a scene where they're like let's see if this guy can handle it and then they play it for him but that's cool because that sets this guy up for the stuff that's going to come later that he's going to do in the second season so it's doing great stuff where it's laying seeds for the second season that are going to be important for the character arcs yeah. but also just kind of reencapsulating everything so so that's the only time I think that it really takes a liberty which is which is cool too for a recap yeah well I want to I, I wouldn't mind starting at the beginning so. The first three shots of this is basically, and it's not a tape deck. I don't know what this is called. A reel-to-reel -reel tape deck. Nice, reel-to-reel. -reel. So we're getting three shots right away. And this is um, this like 
this mini montage. I don't know if this is a mini montage, but like it's a very sure typical device you can use in editing. You like don't necessarily need to like right away get into like the first line or something. You just want to get into it quickly and you want to like peak interest. And to do that with a real to real recording device is is a real neat way and that's something that I do quite a bit throughout when I'm cutting and I need to just have a little bit of a breather. Like step away from the story and have a little yeah, a little sparkle or something. I would do a quick mini montage in there and that's how they start. And then before a little breather or a little energy kick, perhaps. Yeah, energy kick. Just the, this is also just so on. Sometimes you need to stimulate your senses again. You need like an adjustment, and that'll do that. Get your attention. Yeah, and and it's also so on brand for the show as in terms of something to start with. I mean, this is the imagery from the title sequence, and it's just a cool way to show the repetition of how they're going to be doing stuff a lot. Yep. And so, and that's just the show. Like you got clunky old, old technology that's forging its way through this groundbreaking process of of this type of research, and it's really cool. And there's something just haunting and weird about it. Yeah. And then we basically get into the hook, which is like the first few seconds of whatever you're watching that's going to try and draw you in. And in this particular case, it's really setting up the bigger story here. So we're starting off with a white shot. Mm-hmm. As they're driving around a jail or a prison. Please state your names. And Special we're getting to meet the main characters here. In what capacity do you serve the And then explaining what their job is. We're in the behavioral science unit. How would you summarize yeah. what you do in here? And it's like 20 hot seconds before the title even drops. Yeah. Classify their behavior. Create a profiling so we're getting a real good overview of who they are, what they do, and who they meet. And then we get into the main title at around, yeah, 27 seconds. And once it, the title ago, is played, FBI was found we're sort of... Down John Dillinger. Now, we have extreme violence between strangers. The stating the problem, we can. Talking to the smartest which people. is the problem of mm-hmm. the serial killer. At that point, they haven't even defined this term yet. But they're like, they're these people right. that kill a lot of people that they don't know. That's the problem. And we need to figure out a way how to fix this. And that's why they get Sequence hired. Sequence killers. Sequence killers, right? right. And then we'll start off with like a smaller case that sort of exemplifies what this problem is People we find from the broadest possible spectrum well, wait where's what what's time card are you at for that or are they formed okay hold on i started this thing a couple of years ago i go out on the road and give classes in various police departments there's a million cops out there who want to know what we know you guys mind if i bother you for a minute she was okay so we're, right now i'm at like 59 seconds cops were saying we need help well, right, but that's not a small case. That's kind of more defining what the show is, because that case is the BPK killer, who that's what everyone theorized on oh, yeah. in the forums and stuff like that, because they never revealed who that was in the show. And they do have a moment later on where there is a moment in the second season where Tench does you know, re-examine these photographs in this case they're being given. We're not going to give away any spoilers like that that does kind of tie the theories together as to what that was about and what killer that's about. 
But that's the killer we're seeing in the cold open of almost every season of the first season. And oh, right. <laughs> definitely the first cold open in, in the second season. So that's not them. That's, they are, it, that's what I always liked about the show, or I thought was unique about it, is that that's the moment where the characters are given the case to solve. They use their superpowers to do it. But no, they say, well, we can't solve this. You don't have any evidence. But what we need to do is go develop a technique that allows cases like this to be solved. Which mm-hmm. is cool. So it's cool that that one kind of kind of threads back through. Okay, I unless they are really mis- being misleading in in this cold open, <laughs> this yeah. recap. So usually, with every episode, they have this like little story that they tell of this one guy that's getting ready to become a killer, right? And we don't know who it is, mm-hmm. or he is a killer and is he's either prepping for murders or it's the aftermath. Yeah, or it's his personal life, little things that are known eventually later on. And yeah. there was a lot of fun speculation about who it was, but it becomes pretty obvious given the areas that the scenes are taking place in, his occupation and entirely exact physical resemblance yeah. of uh, the BTK killer. This reminds me of Breaking Bad. Didn't they have a similar device at the beginning of the shows of something that happens in the future? And they, they kept teasing the it last- for quite a while? So in the pilot for Breaking Bad, that's obviously a part of it. We see the end of the episode at the beginning mm-hmm. or the climax of the episode at the beginning. And then later in the series, they did a cold open very early on that featured a character coming back with Rambo's machine gun mm. um, and then had to figure out how to get to that point in the show. They just painted themselves into a crazy corner. So there was like speculation <laughs> for a season or two about that, like how that character ended up in that state. So it was like a, a, an interesting spot to put themselves in. But yeah, I mean, this is a little bit more, it's like a, a weird parallel action that I think this, that is not going to pay off and, unless this show actually does get the five seasons that David Fincher told the actor, if he did the show, if he did a bad job, the show would get five seasons. So yeah, yeah, yeah. you can look for <laughs> So it's hinting at, an, at a uh, bigger arc of the entire season with the ultimate nemesis and then each season it's on its own has like one big nemesis and season one that would be at camper which we get to see at 107 he's being introduced yeah and then the second season obviously from the publicity materials is the atlanta child killer it's just kind of like who the focus of it is yeah but the yeah the btk one's really interesting because legend has it that he because of these investigative techniques stopped killing so during the entire time that this was going on he was no one knew what happened to him he was just the, that type of killing had stopped yeah. and then fairly recently he got caught because he reactivated and i don't remember if he committed a murder or not but he sent something taunting to the police or the news or something like that and with modern technology security cameras and stuff like that he was caught within like 24 hours <laughs> which I think is hilarious. Um, so it's kind of like this big elusive whale that they'll, that they'll never get, which is like a really cool, creepy one to, to pair the show with. Cool. And I don't know for sure whether he's going to do more murders and stuff in the time of this show. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I want to point out a couple of editing devices here. One is the overlap edit. So people start talking and we don't see them for quite a while. We still are sort of on B-roll. Well, pre-lap. Pre-lap, yeah. Sorry. So that's being used heavily in this teaser. The other thing I want to point out is, and there's an example at 141 of this recap, is the sound up. So Dr. Wendy Carr talks for quite a while, 
explaining the psyche of these killers. And then at 141, we're cutting to one of them laughing. And it's a, it creates mm, a real yeah. nice flow to not just go from bite to bite to bite, but have these like sound ups or net sounds in there to again like you were saying it's it's sort of regaining our attention or it's refocusing us in on the story it gives a little structure to it Mm -hmm. it's a really good balance yeah and you didn't even talk about the the door slamming which was kind of the thing where i was like oh someone cares about this that made this oh cool where is that that, i think that's just like a so at 148 was i think that's when i texted you hey we should do this i didn't even finish watching it but just because it's so sorry at 48 we have this truly micro montage of three shots of them slamming their car doors as they get out and then them just getting ready for their hotel rooms kind of repeating the action there and just it really gives a sense in like under like three seconds of just that experience of the type of travel they're doing and work they're doing to kind of do this road teaching or whatever they called it and just the, it's just it just conveys so much in such a cool way. Maybe yeah. that's how it is in the show. I feel like it was just pulled from a few different episodes, but I but I could be wrong. Yeah, that I don't know. It's but, just on a, but it's really cool to show that they have a, they've established a certain routine now. Like every day they fly into a different state to interview somebody, so they get a new car, and then they go off to the jail prison. So that's so funny. If I thought that that was what made this montage so this recap so cool, and then it turns out it was something they just did in the show. <laughs> um, and then this, I don't know, the shot that I felt, I keep seeing it in the thumbnail, but it's not, it's not appearing here. The shot that I felt was added or greatly repurposed was the shot at one twenty eight. Morality of it to see the far reaching value of their insights. So you're saying you Kemper? don't think this? Yeah, that shot at Kemper being uncuffed. Oh, okay. I felt like wasn't in the first season. I could be totally wrong. So you're it's a great but it just shot. seems like such an iconic, effective moment, the way that it's used for this. And that, again, that's just like a little seed that's being planted for the second Saying season. This. Yeah. That concept that they started doing that is... And just the way he plays it, it's like, oh, I'm out now. is really cool. And at, least, at the very least, it didn't come across that way in the in the show to me it wasn't memorable in that way and yeah. that's what's cool is you, you could be using the same shots you know repurposed and this is a great example of like how editing works is they're being repurposed and taking on a whole new meaning yeah I mean that shot is amazing anyway so you're on a high dolly dollying backwards as Kemper's being uncuffed and he starts looking up and it says so much about the fact that he he has this freedom in this uh, in these interviews where he can move around he can like create some serious damage and that ultimately is what happens to Holden later on that he gets in a real pickle there um, so it's a it's a powerful shot yeah. to to visualize that Insights. the privilege he so has. you're saying you yeah. don't think this and then the other shot I felt like at least it's greatly repurposed because the, lo- the other thing that's cool is you're taking these scenes and kind of cutting them down for a certain effect yeah at one um at 3.09, just the way that he... I feel like Holden's like reaction as Kemper's going in, it felt like something a little more maybe intense than what was used in the actual season. But I, I could be wrong. Which shot is that? Technically, the shot's at 3.11. So there's the hug, and then it's the... Is it the white shot you're talking about? 
just that quick moment as the sh- close up on Ford, the medium close up as Kemper very first starts going, he does like this sniffle. Okay, this yeah. got it. Okay, so it's an over the shoulder from Kemper as he's about to hug him. And it just seems really effective and, and definitely like repurposed to make this, you yeah. know, to kind of convey like the intensity of that moment in this like really tight timeline. I think it's also a cutaway because we're cutting f- to the same shot twice uh, and we needed to speed up the pacing there because he's like confronting him in the one shot and then he's hugging him and they needed to get there. Yeah, it's ramping up the intensity. Ooh. I love the wide shot too where he's like where Holden pulls himself away from him and like how the hands of of Camper just like sort of flail there for a moment as he's still trying to grab him. <laughs> it's it's really interesting how they are able to make the actor look so huge. Because sometimes you yeah. I I suspect he's actually not as that tall compared to the actor who's playing Holden. And they always find a way how to make it look like he's just a lot taller than he really is. And larger also, just yeah. the size of his hands and everything. Yeah, like when he walks through hallways, the cop always looks like he's tiny. And so I, I suspect they just cast really uh, small actors to just walk him through the hallways all the time yeah and the other thing i'd point out just about this that i that i really enjoy about this recap is now i think about it i think you're totally right about the car thing being in in this season but um the thing that i really enjoy about this recap is usually when you're handed a montage to edit you know there's there's a lot of effort and thought goes into them especially on a show like Breaking Bad or something like that but still you're trying to get a lot more shots than you're typically going to have time for in a single scene so the resources are a little bit limited whereas this you're kind of getting to work with this incredible really effective imagery where just the images themselves convey so much and it's just this you know, gold mine of great shots that convey a certain feeling and aesthetic and then getting to drop those in as like quick flashes within these moments that you were kind of compressing and recreating to play out to kind of play with the Eisenstein concept of juxtaposition where it's like, you know, we're now seeing the great Holden Kemper scene, but we're also getting to cut in these quick moments that are indicative of the show and also not really repeating anything and using shots that have kind of, that are, have different flavors than every other shot from the show instead of like just constantly showing pictures of the murders. There's just so much like subconscious, you know, kind of haunting imagery in this show of just little things, whether it's a piece of paper where words being circled in red ink or, whatever or the tattoos or you know the the slide screen the frustration all this stuff it's just really cool to have that to get to play with and it ends up being a really cool aesthetic and the last thing i want to ask you about sven was your take on the music yeah i definitely noticed that beethoven track that um then became kind of a rock version and i think this is actually an original recording from a band in the like 80s or 90s i remember they they were doing all kinds of like classic tunes and converting them into rock tracks so 
it definitely feel gives it an authentic feel, even though it might be a different time period than what when where this is taking place. It still rings true to me and appropriate and cool in a way because it's very retro cool and things just going off the tracks like we start with this nice classical sensibility of what crime investigation is etc cetera, etc cetera, and by the end it's like we are in the woods yeah and we're <laughs> i wish i would remember the name of the band if you if you remember let us know in the comment section in what comment section tweet me <laughs> let me know and also do you feel like it's the one piece of music throughout or do you feel like the music is reappropriated and cut down and trimmed and, and joined together to make this piece work? Um, it didn't feel like it, but it could be, could have been. It felt like yeah. that's, that's how I remember the original recording when I was a kid. Which and is it's, I mean, too, it's not playing throughout the entire recap either. It starts like somewhere in the middle right. and there's, I'm sure there's music before that, but it, that like, I have no clue what it is. It's probably more atmospheric, more subconscious. And then the, the one thing that I also would say, I remember when I watched the recap first, I felt quite overwhelmed to keep track of everything. Now that we're looking at it, it's quite well structured and there's a, there's a purpose for everything in there. But a lot of this information might not actually land with the audience, even if you're a big Mindhunter fan, because you're kind of just like getting ready for your evening and you want to get started. And this is like a quick refresher of what happened before. And ultimately, that's probably the best purpose of this anyway, to just remind ourselves, oh, yeah, there was this guy at Camper and he was really impactful on Holden and they got into a tiff and Holden is kind of a little beat up over that which is really that's the most important piece we need to remember so that the first episode makes sense well it's also putting you in a certain mood and everything's emotion so it's cool to have a recap that's actually serving the purpose of kind of creating an emotional experience first yeah although everything else is there where recaps are typically just information bombs and on network stuff they are made by the editors working on the show typically Whereas a lot of stuff on Netflix, it's binge viewing. They never planned on having recaps. And now it's kind of circling back and going to trailer houses and stuff and saying like, hey, do you mind doing an, uh, a recap or something like that for this episode? Yeah, that'd be um, really interesting. So it's a little interesting where this is clearly, well, this is clearly done by the, by the filmmakers yeah. and at, at before, the, before the season launched. So there's no, there's no confusion or aesthetic. But just listening to the music real quick, it seems like it starts with no music. Then it's the main title music, right? right? I can't really hear it. Is that piano? That yeah, then we play with the title music. Yeah. And then we get into that. And then where do we kick into this Beethoven music? It's like halfway. I bet there's a very specific moment where that happens. Let's see. Yeah. So 149, we're still Oh, there it is. Yeah, beautiful. No, it happens around 149. 151 or something and it does it again with the okay 152 with the things being turned on yeah yeah it's it's a real to real being turned it's a big turn in terms of the story in the sense that okay they now got a budget now this shit's getting real Mm -hmm. and it's always great to see music being used it just seems like common sense to add power to the scene as opposed to just finding a cool sounding piece of music and just cutting it to that. And I'm even willing to bet within this, the music is kind of 
dropped out and cut and, and reappropriated to kind of serve the story, sure. which is being downloaded verse, you know, just like, all right, well, let's cut to this cool song now, which is what people starting out generally do. But learning, mastering how to manipulate that music and make it serve you, that's always like a huge part of the process and something Sven's yeah. a wizard at. I can also share that um, I had two different experiences with cutting these sort of recaps and next ups that you have on a network show where you have commercial breaks. One is that we actually hired somebody to come on board as an additional editor to just focus on those. And she would mm-hmm. then always like check in with us and say, okay, what are the highlights of each episode? What are the stuff that's worth um, talking about? And then she would do a version of it and it would completely be approved and run outside of the actual editorial. So we would just slap it on once the show got delivered. And then the other process Mm -hmm. that I had with another network is where we had to constantly recut them ourselves. So whoever had capabilities was like, okay, you didn't work on episode two, but we need to offer up three new next ups in there because they got all shut down by the network. So today that's all you're doing. <laughs> and then I'll be watching that episode right. and trying to to do a new take on, on a recap. And that I, I hated that. That was painful to cut because no, nobody wanted to do those. Yeah, and it cuts into your time in the edit. It also cuts into your runtime on the episode. And it, then it can also ruin your episode because it's, oh, it's the episode where we have the big reveal that Uncle Tommy's back. And then in the recap, there's like four moments like, oh, Uncle Tommy left. I wonder wonder what happened to Uncle Tommy. You think Tommy's going to be back? Uh, I don't know. And then it just can kind of ruin the, the whole the thing. Yeah. The reveal, the surprise. Yeah, yeah we never loved those. But luckily on Netflix, you don't have all that. You just have one simple recap at the beginning, and then you should be good. Yeah. So it's a it's a cool series. There's some cool scenes we want to talk about later in the second season. And we obviously, we have a lot of thoughts about the second season we should probably talk about. Yeah, I'd love if to do If you have a scene you'd Dave like us to Berkowitz look at, Sven has one scene. Well, there that's the one. Yeah. So Sven's keen on a scene, and if you, which I think is a cool scene, if anyone has a scene they would like us to maybe look at for this, we'll see. We'll see what gets the most the most upvotes. Is it going to be Berkowitz? Is it going to be something else? Let us know. It's also interesting. Fincher did the first four or five episodes, and then no more. Whereas the first season, he did the first few, and then kind of touched base on nine, and then closed it out. Yeah, it's cool to see that. Um, also, the editors seem to like. They don't seem to do like one and three and then five they, they tend to be like one two three four and then the other editor does six seven eight or so interesting way how they how they cut yeah especially given that it's netflix and obviously there was like a pretty big window to get this thing right before it dropped yeah so they kind of develop a style with the director and the editor together for quite uh, like consecutive episodes seems like all right so if you enjoy what you're hearing let us know. Drop Sven a comment. Where again, Sven? At this guy edits on Twitter. On Twitter. And if you have a friend that watches Mindhunter, that's into Mindhunter, you're getting ready to watch the first season, let us know how it goes. And let your friend know about the show. Subscribe to the podcast. And thank you to Curta for the music. And as Sven always says, happy editing. Woo! Standard side phones and TV shows about tweakers. There's no same zone.
Did it again. Went too long. Oh, well, it doesn't feel like this one's going to take a lot of massaging, at least. Should I set up the PostLab library for you? 